This is Ryan Whitley. I'm here with an end of the year sports report, and we're doing a little crossover this time. We got the guys from the Loud Hounds podcast. Uh, we're going to be here talking uh, NFL, and then we're going to talk a little bit NBA at the end. Uh, so I'll let you guys introduce yourselves first. All right. Thank you, Ryan. Uh, my name is Bobby McInnes. I'm a sophomore at Loyola, and I am a co-host of the Loud Hounds podcast alongside Tom Spallone. What's going on, guys? I'm Thomas Spallone. I appreciate uh, being on here today, Ryan. I know this is one of your last episodes, so it should be fun. And I'm um, happy to get back at it. It's been a, a little break for us. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, th there's always something going on so uh, in, in the sports world, at least. So I'm, I'm definitely excited to get to this. Um, so let's, let's just jump right into it. Um, so as, as we all know, the NFL season is starting to wind down. Uh, we're moving into uh, week 14. Every, all teams, I think, are now up to 12 games. I know we've had some cancellations, delays because of COVID stuff. Um, but coming down the stretch, the Steelers just lost the first game of the year. Um, so who do you guys see as the Super Bowl favorite? Do you think it's the Chiefs to repeat? Do you think maybe the Steelers still at 11-1 might be the best team in the league? Or maybe someone from the NFC, like the Saints or the Packers or the Seahawks? You know, Ryan, uh, it's kind of tough. You don't see it very often in the NFL uh, for a team to go back-to-back -back and win two Super Bowls in a row. However, this Chiefs team is just really something different. Um, you look at the talent on offense, Patrick Mahomes, generational talent. Um, you have the speed with Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, um, other receiving threats. Mecole Hardman has been um, great. Uh, Travis Kelsey, uh, arguably the best tight end in the league. And the rookie, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Um, not to mention, they also picked up another running back, Le'Veon Bell, uh, from my team, the New York Jets, after he was waived midseason. So you look at an offense that is very hard to beat and very scary on paper, and uh, they produce as well in the games. Um, they definitely are my favorite to run it back and win the Super Bowl. Uh, I could see the argument for the Steelers. Their defense has been phenomenal. However, their running game really worries me. Uh, they do great in the pass game, but Big Ben can't throw 50 times a game, and uh, that's what we saw in their loss against Washington. Um, they couldn't get the run game going, uh, whether it's James Conner, Benny Snell, it just looks like it's not the same Steelers offense that we're used to seeing in previous years. Mike Tomlin hasn't been able to figure out how to get the run game going with the group that he has out there. That being said, uh, they also have a very talented team. Uh, Chase Claypool has been amazing this year. Juju Smith-Schuster, he's upcoming free agent, um, but he's also balling out. Um, and they're very exciting team to watch. Obviously, they're going to be either the one or two seed most likely um, in the AFC when it comes playoff time. However, I think the Chiefs uh, have the edge over them. Yeah, Ryan, um, looking at the top of the NFL standings right now, I'd say uh, I agree with Bob. I think the Chiefs still are my favorite to win the Super Bowl right now just because that offensive firepower is just so so tough to stop. We saw on um, last Sunday night, even though they struggled against Denver to uh, get going, they even – even when their offense isn't looking amazing, they still find a way to, to get it done and get a W. But um, I think uh, their biggest threat for me is uh, the New Orleans Saints right now. And they're, they're in the NFC, so they wouldn't see them until a uh, possible Super Bowl matchup. I just think the Saints have the best um, combo of offense and defense. When Drew Brees is healthy, if he can come back from that rib injury, um, their, their defense with Cam Jordan, they're just a, a good balanced team that I think could give the Chiefs a run for their money. I, I agree with Bob. When it comes to Pittsburgh, that offense just, I don't know if they can compete in a shootout type game with the Chiefs. Um, that run game isn't great. James Conner has been banged up. Um, 
it's tough to rely on Roethlisberger to throw the ball that many times. He's getting old. So I would say the, the Saints give the Chiefs the best run for their money, but I give the Chiefs the, the head up right now over anyone. And I, and I think also uh, one of the most scariest parts about the Saints is that they really haven't skipped a beat um, with Drew Brees out. Taysom Hill took right over, um, and you know he's been winning games. So I think that's another like scary thing when you look at the Saints. They also missed Michael Thomas for a majority of the season, and their offense has still been putting up great numbers. Um, Tom, you mentioned their defense. I think their defense has surprised a lot of people this year. And when you look at the NFC, um, you know what a lot of people thought was going to be a really strong NFC. It turns out that the Saints and the Packers are really leading um, that group of teams. So uh, you mentioned the Saints being a possible team coming out of the NFC. I, I would also like to mention the Packers. Aaron Rodgers have been playing phenomenal, except their defense is just not as good or as consistent as the Saints. Definitely. For me, the, the top two are definitely the Saints uh, and, and the Chiefs. Um, when I look at the Chiefs, I mean, even if you're able to contain them for a little bit, you, you, re- you can't stop them for a whole game. You really, they have too many individual playmakers. Um, are, like, there, there are five or six guys on that offense that can take a screen pass 80 yards for a touchdown, like no questions asked. Um, and like you said, Le'Veon Bell, I mean, he's definitely taken some steps back in the past couple of years, but I mean, he... Like you go back three years, he he was easily in the conversation as top running back in the game, and now he get, gets cut and signs with the team. It's just another weapon that they didn't even need. Um, and then with the Saints, like you mentioned with with Mike Thomas, um, my my fantasy team will tell you he he really has not gotten going this year at all. Uh, I think last last week I think he got like 16 points from me, which was his biggest one of the year. But I mean he had that sprained ankle early in the season, and then he he had a, a hamstring that was bothering him. So and they really haven't had him and Breeze healthy together. Um, hardly at all this year, and they're and they're up there uh, at the top of the NFC. Uh, so those are the two teams for me. But definitely, I have the Chiefs uh, as the team I'm looking at, and it, it's definitely hard to go back to back. But uh, I think if anyone's equipped to do it, it's it's this Chiefs team. Right. Um, yeah. So next thing we can move on to. Uh, this may be tough for you, Tom. I know. I know uh, your Giants. Um, do you guys think that the NFC East winner is going to finish above 500? It's been five years since the 2014-2015 season since a team finished below 500 uh, and won their division. That was the uh, the Panthers um, back in uh, the NFC South was terrible that year. Um, but I mean, the Giants, you look at them, they've, they've got some hard games coming up and they're uh, they're five and seven right now, first in the division, but they've got the Cardinals, the Browns, the Ravens and the Cowboys. So, I mean, there, there are three games in there that are that are really tough. Um, so we can start with you, Tom. Do you think uh, that your Giants or maybe uh, the Washington football team will uh, finish above 500 to take the division? Yeah, I'm going to be honest. I, I don't think so. I think the the best record from that leading NFC East will be 8-8, eight and eight, to be honest. Just with that giant um, schedule, it is going to be tough. I know they just got a big win against the Seahawks this past Sunday, but you can't expect your defense to play like at that high of a level every, uh, every single week. Um, and I, I know Washington schedule coming up is a little a little easier i think they got san francisco next week and they have carolina down the road and i think they play philly and dallas i mean it's easier for them but that team is just they're not consistent i know they just got a big win against pittsburgh but i just don't see them going on on a hot streak either so i i could see the giants and washington finishing with the, between a seven and nine and the eight and eight record um and the giants do have a head up with that um they swept them in the regular season so they do have that Head to head, but uh, yeah, I don't see I don't see them going over 500 out of the team. Yeah, 
Um, I'm going to have to agree with Tom on this one. You look at the remaining schedule. I believe the Giants have the Cardinals, the Ravens, um, the Browns, and the Cowboys. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. But I look at those upcoming games, and maybe the, the Giants, they should beat the Cowboys. They should be the favorite in that game. Um, and maybe they can steal one um, from those other three teams. They have the Cardinals this week and then the Ravens and Browns um, following that. However, like I said, at best, that's two and two, uh, giving them a seven and nine uh, finishing record. And you look at um, Washington's schedule, they play the 49ers this week, and then they have the Seahawks, Panthers, Eagles, as Tom mentioned. Um, it's going to be tough for either of these teams to go three and one and finish with an even record. Um, so like Tom mentioned, it's probably going to be at best an eight and eight uh, record that takes that division, um, but probably a seven and nine record. I'm not sure. I couldn't tell you right now if it's going to be the Giants or the Washington football team. And mathematically, you really can't count the Eagles or the Cowboys out of it just yet. It's so close. I think uh, the, the two teams below them, I think there are three wins. So, I mean, they're, they're still in it, like you said. Um, I, I was looking at the Giants, uh, the games they've played. They've, they've had a lot of close games that they just haven't been able to pull out. I think they've, they've had like a couple three-point losses. I think they lost by two to the Buccaneers. Um, and so they, they've had close games, but, I mean, still getting get to this five and seven and going down the stretch. Uh, I think that's definitely something to look at. And uh, one of them is going to get to host a playoff game, uh, which right. that's that's a different discussion about uh, how the NFL awards playoff games uh, automatically to division winners. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's definitely something to keep an eye on down the stretch, I think. Right. And uh, I believe the Giants have the head-to-head tiebreaker against the Washington football team as they beat them twice. Um, however... How much do we trust Daniel Jones uh, heading into this last stretch here? I believe he's going to be healthy for these last four games. We've seen him come up in the clutch um, maybe once or twice. I believe both times that I remember it was against the Buccaneers once his rookie year and once earlier this year, his team couldn't finish that game. However, he led a potential game winning drive um, down the field or game tying drive, I believe down the field. Um, but how much do we trust Daniel Jones who has a tendency to turn the ball over in the clutch? I mean, I think for, for me, I think I, I trust Alex Smith more. Um, so, I mean, maybe maybe that makes me give the edge uh, to Washington. But uh, I, th- I think maybe, um, I mean, you, you never know. Maybe, maybe he, he finds something. He has that one moment where he breaks through, um, and that will get him into the playoffs. And maybe they even uh, win a game uh, against a team that might be better but is on the road. Um, but, I mean, definitely anything can happen. What do you think, Tom? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you can really trust Jones at this point. I mean, I know these last three games, uh, just before he got injured in that Cincinnati game, he's been uh, uh, trending upward. He's playing a little better. He's not turning the ball over. But those are against teams that are under 500. Uh, I want to see him play well against defenses like the one coming up next week. I mean, Arizona doesn't have a great defense, but you know what I mean? They're a better team. They're like six. I think they're six and six right now or something like that. So you want to see him play better against better teams. And then maybe you can trust him in the clutch a little more. But... It'll be interesting coming down the stretch. Who do you guys think will be the um, the team that will match up against the NFC East uh, winner? It's probably just off the top of my head, it's probably going to be a team like the Buccaneers who are going to have um, that higher wild card spot um, because they won't be a division winner. I believe the Saints are going to hold on to that division um, title. So you look at a team like the Tampa Bay Bucks coming in, and I think they are um, – completely uh, I feel like the Giants or the Washington football team would be completely outmatched in that matchup um, 
whichever team does make the playoffs, you think about the future. How much does this really help? Is it good for a team that goes seven and nine to make the playoffs and get eliminated first round? I mean, yes, the morale will be up in the locker room because you made the playoffs. However, most seven and nine teams, uh, when it comes draft time, draft around that nine through 13 draft position somewhere in the middle early first round so one of these teams who actually indeed does make the playoffs and inevitably will get knocked out early is actually going to be hurting when it comes time to draft because you are a sub 500 team that is now picking in the early 20s yeah absolutely um i think the the buccaneers definitely with uh with tom brady and his experience i think they're definitely a team that could turn it up in the playoffs um, another one I was thinking that they could end up matching up against uh, would be whoever gets second place out in the NFC West, whether it's the Seahawks or the Rams. Um, I think uh, if if Russell Wilson gets to go up against the Giants, I think that could get ugly in uh, in a rematch. Um, but uh, I think the Rams, maybe. Um, as a Patriots fan, I've seen the Rams' offense completely disappear in a big game. Um, and I've seen their defense um be good but not quite do enough obviously back in the super bowl um but i think i think the rams would maybe be the only team that they could that i would give the giants a chance of really beating um i think the buccaneers and the seahawks with their experienced quarterbacks i think they'd really just completely run them over and uh, like bobby was saying it really doesn't help them to get in um the only thing is postseason experience which seven and nine and getting destroyed i don't know how helpful that would be going forward yeah I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, and so third, I know this is, this may be tough for you, Bobby. I know, I, I kind of know you're on board with it though. Um, the Jets, 0-12 right now. It's not looking pretty. This is, uh, I mean, they just had a close game. They've had a couple other close games, um, but really have not been able to pull one out. And most of the season don't look like they're really close to winning these games. Um, first, do you see them going 0-16? Uh, I do, Ryan. Um, I look at the upcoming schedule for the Jets. Um, it's not going to be easy. This week, they have the Seahawks. Um, and I, you can already mark that as a loss on the Jets calendar. Um, the Jets are just not where they need to be right now. They're not where they want to be. Uh, they're currently the laughing stock of the NFL. And that's a, that's a majority reason because um, of the front office. So you look at owner Woody Johnson. He's been over, I believe, in the UK serving as an ambassador. Um, so he hasn't really been around the team much. His brother, Christopher Johnson, has been doing uh, much of the work as of the recent years. And they made a terrible hiring decision um, bringing in coach Adam Gase. He didn't really have a great track record. He worked with Peyton Manning, and that's really his highlight. However, Peyton Manning was already established quarterback by the time he came over to Denver. Um, Gase didn't do much in Miami. And then uh, with the Jets, obviously, you know, he hasn't won a game yet this year. He did go seven and nine uh, in his first season coaching the team. Um, however, we just see the players do not seem to want to play hard for him. He has a terrible, ter- he has terrible play calling. It looks like a very poor game script week in and week out. Um, so th- this a majority blame is on ownership, I believe. You look at um, the New York Mets bring it over to baseball. They just got a new owner, Steve Cohen, very engaged with the fans. He's tweeting out, asking almost borderline questions like fans, like, who do you want to sign? Who do you want me to go out and get? Like, he wants to please the fans. As a Mets fan myself, I'm super excited um, to see what Steve Cohen has in store for us there. 
And then you look at the Jets and it's just the complete opposite. I mean, you have a guy who's not in touch with his fan base at all. And it's really disappointing because the Jets are a very loyal fan base. I mean, one Super Bowl um, way back in 68, it's been forever since the Jets have been good. And yet the fans are loyal year in and year out and they deserve a lot better than this. Yeah, definitely. What do you do you think they'll uh they'll wrap up this perfect season, so to speak, Tom? Uh yes. I don't see the Jets getting a win. And frankly, after watching the game Sunday, I don't think the Jets want to get a win because that they did some uh I saw Adam Schefter tweet out he did some statistics on that last play that the Jets ran on defense. And I think they were the only team in the last 15 years to to run that defensive play call and bring seven or eight guys in the box and blitz them uh, when you're trying to play a prevent defense <clears throat> to cover a Hail Mary. So I don't really see the Jets wanting to win a game, and they shouldn't want it. I mean, you want to have that number one overall pick. They're in, they're in a full re, uh, rebuild. They're trying to gut everything out. Um, I think Trevor Lawrence will end up going to the draft. I don't really know any college player who would want to pass up on $40 million just to, to not want to go to the Jets. I mean, if he doesn't go to the Jets, it'll be – the Jaguars, like you're not going to go to a good team if you're that good of a college prospect. You got to know that going into it. Um, I mean, the Jets have a lot of cap room. I think they got Bob. Bob knows better than me, but I think they're upwards of 90 mil or something cap uh, coming up in free agency. So, I mean, they got all the all the things there. You just you just have to hope as a Jets fan that Joe Douglas can draft properly. You have those first round picks from the Adams trade. Um, you have all that cap space. You got Lawrence there. If, if he goes, I mean, you just have to hope he makes the right moves and, and you can see uh, some change in New York, hopefully for the Jets. You're right, Tom. Um, I just want to touch on that a little more. Uh, Jets fans, don't worry yet. The future is bright. Um, Joe Douglas, I've liked what I've seen from him so far. Um, it's a little early to judge the draft class. However, Makai Becton, when healthy, went on the field, has been phenomenal. Um, he's just an absolute mauler and he's moving people like Joey Bosa and just totally taking them out of the game. And that's all you can ask for from a left tackle. So I think he hit it on the mark with um, his first round draft pick last year. We saw Denzel Mims come back, second round rookie wide receiver from Baylor. He's been playing very well lately. Um, I don't believe he's getting as much targets and touches as he should. However, he's made some nice plays that make you kind of look twice and say, hey, this guy might be um, a solid receiver for us. I'm not saying that he's a number one receiver. I'm not saying that he's a top 10 receiver in the league. I'm um, not saying that he ever will be necessarily, but that's not what the Jets need. If he can be a reliable number two wide receiver and then the Jets can go out in free agency and sign a guy like Juju Smith-Schuster, who I believe the Steelers might not even be afford, um, who might not be able to afford to retain. Or how about a guy like Allen Robinson who might be out there in free agency? You sign a guy like that and all of a sudden your wide receiving core is turned around. Not to mention um, they have an extra first round pick this year from Seattle where they can also use to draft a guy like Devonta Smith, um, wide receiver in the draft, uh, another weapon, may perhaps a running back, Travis Etienne. So you look at this um, Jets team, it's totally gutted out right now. It can only go up from here, and they have the pieces to do it. Um, that Jamal Adams trade gave them first-round pick this year, first-round pick next year. As far as the, the top, Trevor Lawrence not wanting to come to the Jets, I think that is a uh, very lame hypothetical story that the media wants to produce. Um, like Tom said, I don't know anybody in their, who in their right mind would pass up $40 million. Uh, I assume it's going to be a fully guaranteed rookie deal. Um, he's going to be a young star in the big city of New York. I mean, you really can't ask for more if you're a competitive athlete. I think, I think a model for you guys to follow um, could be someone like the Bengals, right? Obviously, they, they bottomed out 
um, and they got Joe Burrow. And then they also took T. Higgins, I believe, in uh, with the first pick of the second round. You guys, that's definitely something like that could be what you guys go for. Like you right. just mentioned with Devonta Smith, who's absolutely tearing it up against these SEC defenses that are known for cranking out top-tier cornerbacks year after year. And he's lighting it up down there at Alabama. Um, so something like that, getting the quarterback with the first pick and then the wide receiver right there after him, um, that could definitely help you guys a lot. And then, like you said, you have the added benefit of the cap room. You guys can go out and sign if uh, either a wide receiver, like you mentioned with Allen Robinson, someone like that, or you guys could uh, try and help out the defense a little bit, which at, at times right. has looked pretty lost this year. Um, how, how much of that is Greg Williams versus the personnel they've got out there? We don't know. Like when Tom mentioned that play call at the end of the game against the Raiders. Uh, might lead you to believe that it might be uh, Williams, who's not uh, really working that hard. And I, I think he's gone now. I think they just fired him. Yes. Um, yeah, that, that kind of play call will, uh, will lose your job for sure. Um, but definitely the, the path back to relevancy is uh, is there. And like you said, with that loyal fan base, they, they've been waiting for it forever uh, since the Sanchez days, really. Right. Uh, yeah. And you know what? It, it, I mentioned it earlier, and I can't really emphasize it enough. It's going to start in the front office. As much as I wish the Johnsons would, the Johnsons would sell the team, or maybe um, Commissioner Goodell would step in and almost force a sale of the New York Jets just because of the lack of uh, connection between the owner and his franchise. Um, I don't really think that's going to happen. It, I believe the Johnsons need to let Joe Douglas, um, their new GM, or I believe he's going to be going into his third season now, so uh, his second offseason. So not really new GM anymore, but somebody who has shown good things so far. You need to let him make the coaching decision. There's, it can't be no more um, the owners making decision of the coach, and there's no connection between the GM and the coach. Let Joe Douglas take over this New York Jets team. He has, a, he has an idea. He has a plan. Um, because if they don't get the coaching uh, position right, they're just going to mess up Trevor Lawrence like they did Sam Darnold. And I'm still a big Sam Darnold supporter. I think he can go to a team like the Pittsburgh Steelers, the San Francisco 49ers, um, perhaps the Indianapolis Colts, and tear it up. Um, he's going to be given a good offensive line, good weapons in um, those scenarios that I just mentioned. And uh, I think that you'll be able to see him reach his full potential there. However, it's just not going to happen with the Jets. Um, the Jets will be able to reset the quarterback contract clock, so they won't have to spend a lot of money on a contract deal um, for a guy like Sam Darnold. They'll have Lawrence on a rookie deal, and that's where you build. You go up from here. But it's going to start with head coach and drafting Trevor Lawrence. Definitely. The, the point you make about the weapons, I think, is a big one. I mean, for all the years he's been there, his, his best weapon has been a running back who didn't want to be there uh, and a head coach who didn't want the running back there. Uh, and a deep ball wide receiver in Robbie Anderson. And then Denzel Mims this year, who's been injured for a while, I think, um, and hasn't really been as involved as he really could be. Um, right. So, I mean, getting getting better weapons, either uh, for Lawrence once you guys get him, uh, or with, with Darnold going to a team that has much better weapons, um, I mean, definitely you'll, you'll be able to see some of, uh, I think, the promise that he had when he came out of college. I agree. Absolutely. Um, and so just to finish up, move on to the NBA a little bit. It's starting here in less than two weeks now. Um, right. Preseason starting uh, later this week. Um, and we know the Lakers just got the championship down in the bubble in Orlando. Um, are they your guys' favorites to repeat? I know we talked about uh, in the NFL, uh, it's hard to repeat. Uh, in the NBA, it seems to be a little bit easier in recent years, given the Warriors' success. Um, so what are you guys' thoughts on the upcoming NBA season? 
Uh, I'd, I'd probably say the Lakers are definitely still my favorite. I mean, LeBron James is is just – his ability to take over the game is insane. And um, what we just saw this past year with Anthony Davis alongside him, I think this is the best duo that uh, LeBron has ever been able to work with, uh, even better than Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh. And um, th- that's all they really need. I mean, I, I know they signed uh, Montrez Harrell this offseason – that's going to be good for them, giving them a, a, another big man because they didn't really have a true center uh, that, that was really productive this year. And, uh, yeah, I think Lakers are still my favorite. I think the Clippers could give them a run, but, I mean, we just saw them get bounced by Denver. Uh, they blew a 3-1 lead to Denver this year, so they're, they're really not too promising. And, I mean, the Bucks are probably the favorite in the East, but we saw Giannis in the playoffs. He hasn't been able to prove a whole lot um, to us yet. So, yeah, I'd say Lakers are definitely my favorite again this season. Uh, I'm going to have to agree with Tom on this one. Um, I'm sorry I can't give much of a debate, but the Lakers only got better this offseason. Uh, we saw Tom mention the signing of Montrez Harrell. Uh, they also signed Dennis Schroeder, adding another point guard or at least a true point guard to their team. We all know LeBron runs the show and kind of ran the point guard position last year. Uh, I believe he led the team in assists, or at least in the postseason he did. I believe he almost averaged double-digit assists. It was unbelievable. Um but yeah, this Laker team only got better. And you mentioned their only real threat uh, in the West, the Clippers. Well, I haven't really seen them make a lot of moves this offseason. I actually uh, saw, like I, like we mentioned, Montrez Harrell came from the Clippers to the Lakers. So you see one team um, subtracting talent. However, the other one just adding. Um, you also look at the coaching change uh, with the Clippers. Uh, no more Doc Rivers. He's gone. He's in Philadelphia now. Um, I think that that hurts the Clippers a little bit. I believe um, they have Tyron Lue. Uh, they signed as a head coach. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think that that improves the team very much. I don't see a big change. You still have the same players in, in the NBA. Um, I just personally don't believe that the coaching position is as important as any other team. Um, however, <sighs> It's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna be very tough to beat that Lakers team. Um, you mentioned the East. The East has been getting better. You see guys like Kevin Durant coming over. Um, James Harden wants out of Houston. You could see him coming over into the East. Uh, Russell Westbrook now in the East. Um, the East is getting better, and I think it's gonna be a real crapshoot. Um, I'm not sure who's gonna make it out of there. I don't believe in Giannis. I'm sorry, he's a phenomenal talent, but he hasn't been able to close in the playoffs. Um, you might see a team like the Heat, who gained a lot of experience making it to the finals last year. Um, they can be front runners. The 76ers have improved this year as well. Um, I mentioned Doc Rivers coming over. I like them in the East as well. But yeah, if I had to put money on it, I would say the Lakers are running it back. Yeah, definitely. It's a clean sweep here. Uh, I think the Lakers are by far the best team in the league. Uh, I think the ESPN, they just came out with their top 100 player rankings. And I think LeBron was one and Anthony Davis was two. So, I mean, if, if you have the two best players in the league, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know how anyone can be expected to compete with you, really. Um, like you were mentioning with the Clippers, with uh, Tyron Lue being their new head coach. Uh, I saw the other day, um, Paul George was talking about how he, he didn't like how Doc Rivers used him. And Doc said, well, it ain't going to be much different because Ty Lue was right next to me on the bench. So, right. I mean, even if we believe in a head coach to really make a change like that, he was there last year. He had input on what was being done. So nothing's really going to change this year. Uh, in the East, um, I mean, the Bucks are going all in. Um, is it going to be enough? We don't know. We've seen – I'm not a believer in your best player. 
uh, being someone who can't step to the line at the end of the game and make free throws. And Giannis has never shown the ability to do that. Right. Um, I mean, you go back, you go back, Hackashack. I mean, it really hurt his teams when he was on the floor at the end of games. And the league has even gone further now to try and prevent that. So Giannis really not being a good free throw shooter at all. Um, and, and the same thing kind of goes for the 76ers. Uh, I don't, I don't trust Ben Simmons at the line at the end of the game. Um, the spacing on that team is still going to be weird. Doc Rivers might help a little, but having, having those two big guys who, uh, Embiid will shoot a little bit more, but he's, he's still not a great shooter. Uh, and Ben Simmons, obviously we know can't shoot at all. Um, <laughs> so, uh, the coaching there, I think could make a difference because Brett Brown, I think was running around like a chicken with his head cut off. Uh, for most of his time there, he had, he had these phenomenal talents, and he never was able to maximize it at all. Um, the the team that I think might come out of the East really is the Nets, um, and especially if they get Harden, um, it doesn't matter how how toxic that locker room would be. If you if you added Harden um, and were able to keep Kyrie, I know today uh, it came out that Houston would want Kyrie or Kevin Durant back. Obviously, the Nets aren't going to trade Kevin Durant, um, but if the, if they were able to keep all three of them. Um, I think it, it, it would almost be an unstoppable offense. I really don't know what you could do to stop them at all. Um, so that, that's the team that I would keep my eye on in the East. Um, even without Harden, I think they still have a chance to go to the top. But definitely the Lakers are still the team to beat for me. Um, they, they've just got too much talent. And uh, like Bobby, they only got better this offseason. Um, the one thing that I think could slow them down is the short amount of rest. But LeBron has never been injury prone. He takes tremendous care of his body. I think he, he spends more money... Um, with like recovery and nutrition and health and all that stuff than anyone else. Um, so he, I think he's going to be ready. Um, and I, I see the Lakers running it back for sure. Right. Ryan, I'm surprised yeah. you didn't mention the Celtics at all. Um, they're a team that plays very um, fundamentally sound. They are a very cohesive unit. Jason Tatum uh, has been rising up uh, in the league. I think that he is going to be um, one of the faces of the league for the years to come. Uh, Jalen Brown, phenomenal. Kemba Walker. You look at this team, um, they're very co well coached, Brad Stevens. Um, I think that they're another potential threat in the East as well. I mean, they almost got there last year. I mean, definitely, you know me, I, I love the Celtics. I'm hoping they go far. Um, and I'm hoping the Tatum that showed up after he got, um, uh, after he, was, he got into the All-Star game last year, because I think at the beginning of the year, it was a lot of pressure on him. Everyone expected it from him. And then once the votes came out, he turned up to another level. And in the playoffs, he he was the guy. Um, so, I mean, if he can keep that level up and we get the complimentary play from Brown, shooting threes, playing defensive, Kemba Walker, we now need him to be our third option. That And for a max contract player, uh, that that's pretty incredible. That that's all you need from him, from a guy who was uh, all NBA two years ago. Um, but uh, the, the, the thing that scares me about them uh, is the reason we got bounced last year is we don't have a big that can slow down Embiid or Bam Adebayo or even really Giannis. We were able to uh, to get past the 76ers because they were they, they were crumbled at the end. They were hurt. Um, but then Adebayo really ate us alive. Uh, and we added Tristan Thompson this offseason. I mean, he's, he that would have been a nice signing four years ago. Um, now he, he feels a little bit like a dinosaur. And, I mean, he's a little bigger than Daniel Tice. Uh, but the, all, all offseason, me and my friends were hoping we were going to get Miles Turner. Um, in, a, in a Gordon Hayward trade back to Indiana. Um, as soon as that didn't happen, our, uh, our outlook on the season went down a little bit. I mean, definitely we're still hopeful, um, but uh, I, think, I think our lack of height is what's really going to do us in. Uh, but if, if Tatum is able to make that superstar leap uh, and get into really the, the top 10, top eight, top five conversation in the league, 
uh, I definitely think we can do some things with uh, Brad Stevens uh, able to really scheme stuff up in a, in a series. Uh, we might be able to get there, but uh, against the Lakers, I, I still don't even uh, think, even if Tatum takes that leap, I mean, you, you still got to deal with that, uh, that, that incredible one two tandem out in LA. Yep. I agree. So it's pretty, uh, consensus, uh, we're pretty consensus consensus pick here is that the Lakers and the chiefs are both our favorites to win championships again. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, uh, thank you guys for coming on. Uh, it, it's been a lot of fun to talk about this stuff, uh, to get your input on it, see where you guys stand. Um, and, uh, best of luck moving forward and, uh, hopefully we'll get to do this again sometime. Yeah. Ryan, thanks for having us. Thank you, Ryan. Yep, thank you.